the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son What's up, Connection? Welcome into Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT. Joining me as ever is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good. We're getting into the holiday season in real time and uh, going to be reviewing a pay-per-view. Back a little bit. Spending Christmas in jail. No, no, uh, no, no rants tonight. So free, free for another week. Okay. Uh, no, it is a big night. It's pay per view night. We're WCW only this evening. We're going to be covering Super Brawl Seven from February 1997. Of course, we covered In Your House Final Four a couple episodes ago. So this will close out our pay per views for the month. And this has been built pretty, pretty well. I think we've enjoyed the build. I think Hogan Piper build surprised us a bit. Our memories were that it was kind of blah, but. It's been been not too bad. Uh, we have the mystery of Sting and Savage kind of hanging over everything. WCW seems to be maybe pulling itself up a little bit. Giant Luger forming as a unit. So we got some interesting stuff to tackle here tonight. Yeah, probably one of the few shows where both uh, pay per view names have a like a number in them: Final Four yeah. and Super Brawl Seven. Because otherwise, it was just you know like uncensored nineteen ninety seven or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so we're in the uh, we're in the Cow Palace tonight, a historic arena that had never held a pay per view up to this point. It's crazy. Um, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, that, so they run here. WCW does. WCW does for a, a couple times. I don't. I don't know when WWF first ran a pay per view there. I know No Way Out two thousand four is, but that might, that's probably the first one. I don't. I don't think they're ever there before that. They run Fresno a lot, as we know. They run yeah. Sacramento a lot. San Jose um, is big in like the 98, 99, Anaheim. I don't, I think that may be the first, honestly, yeah. in San Francisco. I mean, they definitely ran, um, they ran the Cup House a lot for house shows. Like there's, I think the right. March WrestleMania 6 special was in the cow palace i only remember that because jesse makes a cow joke about a but a woman in the audience um and uh so that was like a, a home stay for homestead for them but not for like big shows i don't, I don't think there's one until no way out yeah it, it uh it looks like no way out i'm just looking now at the wiki and i, I think no way out was the uh one and i guess only uh WCW pay-per-view at the Cow Palace, and there's three Super Brawls. So that's kind of cool. I mean, a historic venue. Uh, but we start uh, in Alcatraz with Roddy Piper escaping. Um, he has a, a, a tattered T-shirt. He's been in the prison cell all week. Uh, powder on his face I, I i don't know i mean he slept on the floor looked like, looking like jacob marley coming out of this thing yeah i don't know quite what was going on but um he he escapes runs through the uh the like community uh play area for the prisoners and then ends up on a boat at the bow of well there's boat. a guard that tries to guide him too and he's like oh, oh. and he just like goes off on his own like he knows the yeah. way yeah 
so then he comes in like Titanic style, which is predated Titanic, but on the on the bow of the boat as uh, they're heading to San Francisco. Um, so that leads us into the Cow Palace with the Pyro. Tony calls this the biggest world title match in the world. Um, and our usual announcers are Tony, Bobby, and Dusty Rhodes for the pay-per-view. Piper was even yelling at sharks off the boat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's yelling at San Francisco! You know. Uh, just a bit. Um, so then we uh, go pretty quickly into our opening contest where we see a little bit of the buildup for Six versus D Malenko. Uh, they show Six stealing the belt from Dean Malenko, but they also show a uh, stole the belt from uh, Eddie Guerrero. And uh, what, a kleptomaniac? That's the correct term for somebody that steals. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they, kept, uh, they called him that, which uh, was interesting. Um, and that leads us right to our opener. It's for the Cruiserweight title. It's Six versus Dean Malenko. Six comes out first wearing the belt, even though he's not the champion. Um, and I thought this was an interesting call. I was wondering with Six on the NWO hierarchy, he does get the B theme, which I think we talked about it sold out. He's, I think, like the break-even point. Yeah. I that. think he's the gatekeeper of the B to the A. Like, he can yeah. cross over to the A, but he kind of leads the B. Yeah, so so that's always interesting. Uh, Tony lets us know the pay-per-view's in Australia for the first time, so... Uh, uh, Stacy right. <laughs> was, uh, was uh, checking no it out. Kingston, no buys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so so they start off right away, like going after each other. And uh, I'll just I'll just preface this. I, I like this match a lot. This is a match I think um, from a work standpoint, I can see how it would be disappointing. But I, I really thought this match was helped by watching the feud. For me, yeah. I thought it told a good story, was very psychologically sound. Uh, I reviewed this show for Between the Sheets. It's been two and a half years ago now. It was uh, this week, February. If you started listening to it when it dropped, you'd just be finishing now. Yes. <laughs> it was a quick one. It was actually pretty, I mean, you know. Under six hours? Under seven hours? Yeah, quick. This one was like three hours. It was only oh, three right, hours. Yeah, that's quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, I remember like this match in that regard, like I, I just watched the show. I didn't watch any of the build up, obviously, um, when I re- reviewed it on that show and it left me a little cold. I, I like this a lot more. I actually like the show a good bit more than when I reviewed that show, uh, just watching the build for the show overall. But, um, I liked how Dean was aggressive and that played into the storyline of the match of like, he was going to teach him a lesson and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Six was disrespectful. Uh, so Dean like slaps, punches him, loses his temper. Tony talks about how much of a departure this is from his normal strategy. Uh, six gets caught in the corner. Dean drop kicks the leg. He goes for an early clover leaf, but six rakes the eyes. Uh, cross body by Dean sends both to the outside, and then actually Dean's the one that retrieves the belt. Um, and uh, decks him on the outside with that, which was cool. And then six gets on the offense. And uh, hits a nasty back kick and does, I think, the Bronco Buster for one of the mm. first times. Um, yeah. Uh, which which looked cool. And then Six transitions to the back. And I'm sorry, to the neck. He really starts working over Dean Malenko's neck. Um, so he, uh, he does kind of a forearm where Dean's hanging off the apron. He does a forearm from the second rope onto the neck area. 
Uh, Bobby's saying he should do like a pile driver or neck breaker to put more emphasis on the neck. He does a brain buster, goes to the top, hits the guillotine leg drop for a nice near fall, and then does the sleeper, which of course kind of works the neck as well. Uh, then we reach kind of the conclusion of the match where Six goes to the top rope, gets crotched. Uh, he tries, uh, Dean tries a super back suplex, but Six is able to turn the momentum over and kind of give like a cross body on the way down. Six grabs the belt and out comes Eddie Guerrero. And then Six and Eddie Guerrero end up having a tug of war where Eddie Guerrero is on the outside of the ring. Six is on the inside of the ring. And then the uh, Six ends up winning the tug of war and the belt kind of on the ricochet ends up uh, hitting Malenko, allowing Six to get the pin, become our new cruiserweight champion. Uh, Bobby says that this is La Bamba's fault and uh, Tony has to agree. Uh, so again, I, I really like this match. I was actually con. I, I, I think I'm pretty high vote on this match just because of the psychology of it. Um, but but I thought it worked well. I thought the, some of the kicks and the moves were crisp and a little bit different. Like the forearm on the apron was stuff you didn't normally see, and the Bronco Buster looked fresh because we hadn't seen that. Um, so I went three and three quarters. Really liked the opener. Yeah, I mean, definitely a chunk higher than me, but I, I liked it quite a bit too. Uh, I thought Malenko got a good pop. He's his character is definitely uh, coming along and and taking a nice turn. And I like this aggressive Malenko. He's kind of got the five o'clock shadow. He's he's definitely angry, or he's wrestling as such. Uh, we get to talk about you know Boris uh, training six in this. Yep. The uh, entrance was neat too. It was very interesting. It was very sparse, mm-hmm. uh, with all like screens across the back wall at a huge space. Uh, on the turn. So that was kind of different. I thought it was one of the more unique looking sets we've had. Um, you know, Malenko early on was, was like I said, really good fending off comebacks that the power slam for two look really nice. Just full on machine, Dino Machino mode, uh, you know, chucking down the belt when, uh, when they go outside, the cross body block was nice. Um, six takes over. He does hit. I, I think it might be the first Bronco buster. I don't know if he ever did one as one, two, three kid or not, but uh, it feels like it's one of the first we've really taken notice of. When Dean is in the sleeper, Dusty says he's drowsy, and uh, Bobby is like, no clue what he's saying. And Tony goes, "You should know his vocabulary by now. Uh, he's been <laughs> around long enough." But uh, he's drowsy. Uh, and then I thought the Eddie finish made sense with because he's kind of been embroiled in this whole thing. The NWO screwed him at Starcade. Uh, well, I guess they helped to win, but in effect, screwed him because it they keep basically getting involved in his shit. Six stole his belt. Then they had the fight. It sold out with the ladder. So he's he's really been tangentially involved in this whole thing. And him and Dean have kind of been at odds too. So I thought the finish made sense. They timed it well. This is something that could have been looked sloppier off, but they, they did it pretty well. Um, the La Bamba line was was very Bobby. Uh, but I thought it was good. I thought the crowd was into it. I had really good energy. I thought Malenko was great. Six is selling and bumping is really good. It was clean. It was effective. Um, and they kept the angle... The story drove the match, but the angle was at the end. So that allowed them to shine in the wrestling phase throughout it. So uh, there's a strong start. We'll see at the angle where it goes, if Guerrero and Malenko are going to feud or if they're still going to be involved with six. So I went three and a quarter. Um, I liked it quite a bit to open the show. Uh, backstage, Gene gives the hotline shield, says uh, in a suburban San Francisco restaurant, he saw a prominent WCW superstar at breakfast with Hogan, Bischoff, Holland, Nash. So. 
uh, gets the hotline. Um, I wonder if it was <laughs> Savage who he says if like they buried the lead or what. I, uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Torch, but uh, I don't know if there would be a note or somewhere. Some of our commenters, uh, Jonathan, maybe Black. it's DDP because he comes in right after. Could have been DDP because he, yeah, he does come in. He does the promo. Um, they're still playing up. They don't know quite now who he's facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of run down a list of possible competitors and um, say, you know, well, like uh, Bubba's laid out. It could be Wall Street. Um, and then Gene says, don't forget about Buff. DDP says, yeah, how can you forget? He has an ego bigger than DDP himself. And then Gene officially gets word, I guess, from the <laughs> WCW committee uh, that it will be Buff Bagwell. And uh, Paige says, Buff, you think you got my number? Diamond cutter bangs. <laughs> Not much. He said, uh, he said Bubba fell at a manhole cover. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he tripped on that manhole cover. So that, that was funny, too. Um, I don't, I don't know why they pivoted off that match. I wonder if Bubba was injured too. This is another one. Like, was it I think just they just wanted to sh- give, maybe give Buff a showcase. Yeah, maybe they weren't sure if he was going to be back from his tour tour Japan. Uh, <laughs> so maybe they had Bubba as like a placeholder, and then they knew they'd have Buff back or something. Uh, back to the ring for our six man lucha tag team match. It's Conan, Laparca, and Viano four versus Ciclope, Juventud, Guerrero, Super Colo. I hope it's Viano on one side and Ray Mendoza on the other. And really, yes, Ray Mendoza, his father, his father. Uh, Tanay is uh, in for this one. Uh, gives a brief history about the arena and uh, Ray Stevens passes it off to Bobby. Bobby gives a little tribute. Uh, to that, we're told right away Viano is the oldest and most experienced on uh, that side. And uh, he starts out with Cinclope, had some pretty good chain wrestling. I think once Conan and Juventud get tagged in, they pick up the pace a little bit. Springboard drop kick from Hoovy. Today lets us know Juventud just turned 21. Conan clubs all the other members. Uh, he hits a big power bomb for a pop. Uh, Parka takes a big spill into the post when he charges in. Uh, and Super Colo takes him over with a head scissor, hits the dive to the floor, and then goes for that springboard drop kick like he did on Nitro, but misses it here. Uh, Parker gets the chair. So here's, I think, where it starts him, the chairman of WWE. Chairman. Yes, he uh, sits Colo on it, hits a crossbody from the ring to the outside. Uh, then Syncope, <laughs> this was a, a wild wipeout. Where he uh, goes for like a springboard dive, completely misses and just like splats on the uh, on the car. It lands on his head. Yeah, it is a nasty, nasty spill. Uh, back in the ring, uh, uh, all sorts of you know just action everywhere. We go to the back real quick. See Harlem Heat's chatting on the. Uh, d- internet with the i guess a madden and cats and uh hoovy and parker or i don't know legal man at one point bobby says i'll give you a thousand bucks if you can tell me who's the legal man there's this action all over uh hoovy does the springboard rana which looked good conan and viano give hoovy a doomsday device and then this weird double submission um which syncope and super clothing reverse it and so all all the guys are kind of entangled with each other, and LaParka crawls in and pins over the top of them for a near fall. Uh, then they do what Tony calls the star submission, but it's 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 essentially like the rowboat submission. 
and uh, Parker gets a surfboard in the middle of it. So, so they're really just showing uh, a lot of these like intricate multi-man moves that they can do. Um, now in 2023 guys, I would say there's a lot of like Chikara stuff. If you ever right. watch the early years of Chikara, um, a lot of kind of those missions, Yave style um, stuff you would see. Stereo dives to the outside. Um, I'll say the crowd was into this. There's a lot of like oohs and ahs because it is innovative, a lot of it. Um, and then pretty much goes straight to the finish after the big dives to the outside where Kona hits a nasty splash mountain and uh, gets the win there. Um, I mean, a sloppy in sp- spot, certainly. And it, I do think this match suffers a little bit from we're watching it in 2023, not 1997. Uh, but I did think it was a good energetic effort. I thought everyone was showcased properly. Um, and a lot of fun and comparing it to like the match we saw at Royal Rumble, the six man trios there, there was a whole lot more energy and crowd interaction in this one engagement overall. So uh, I went three and a quarter here. I, I thought this was a fun showcase spot fest type match. I love the card setup to go from Dean and, and six to this. So you're really starting with back to back, like hot athletic matches to get the crowd engaged. It's a it's a difference from some of the stuff we've seen other shows and like Nitro that we've criticized. We've started with more of the the French Canadians and the Duggins and the Bubbas out there. Like, and this is much more okay. This is what you remember of WCW this era. I liked Bobby too going down memory lane about the Kyle Palace and Ray Stevens with Tanay. Like, you almost forget sometimes because he does devolve into such a comedic character. Like, how much history and and what a student of the game like he was and how knowledgeable as a historian he is. Like, just once he when you really get him going, he's like you know, rattling off all this history about San Francisco wrestling. Uh, we also get talk about the the meaning of Viano. I thought that was good. Uh, Dusty loses his shit when uh, Parker does the dive into the chair, the tope. He's up, uh, the farmers at ringside. <laughs> he's taking them out uh, before they move the fans back on that. So he's he's losing it. Uh, but all, all in all, yeah, this was great. It was right on brand. It was quick pace. It was a to-the-point Lucha showcase. The crowd was into it. We need more of these. This is what we haven't had enough of right now on Nitro. Um, so maybe it picks up from here. We'll see. I like that they just let them go nuts with the high-risk stuff. That's what they excel at, just, just ball out. Um, I thought Conan was a good base who helped kind of drive and keep the match moving. And it got heated, too. Like, you could tell they were really amping up. So I actually went three and a half. I like this quite a bit. I thought it was a really, really kind of forgotten maybe early days lucha match i know we're gonna see so many that they're probably gonna blend um but this is this is one early on that's kind of stood out it is this is something they easily could have put on nitro i mean that's one thing with this show none of the matches are long um, no this is sub 10 so yeah you, you could put it on tv very easily um i think we roll right into our next match yep. which is for the tv title the new champion prince hayakea versus ray mysterio jr uh, this is one of my favorite kind of underrated Rey Mysterio outfits here. It's the green kind of cheeto leopard print. I don't, I don't know. But uh, the green and red looks really cool. Uh, they shake hands to start. Not much reaction for Prince when he comes out. Um, they uh, do talk about him beating Jerry Flynn on one of the Saturday shows. I, I guess Saturday night, I would assume. Um, so basic wrestling to start. Prince gets a sidekick and a two count match spills to the outside. Prince sends Ray into the apron, hits the cross body, uh, but then slows the match way down with the chin lock in the ring. He starts getting some kind of booze or no reaction when he does that. I love you sign. Ray catches him in the drop 
kick coming off the top rope. Uh, then uh, he sends Prince to the outside, and he's able to hit his tope con hilo through the middle rope, which looked good. Uh, back inside, Ray hits a triple jump moonsault, which looks well done. Um, and Tony even has to kind of mention that he thinks like the fans want to see Ray win. Um, he sort of covers for that by saying, well, I don't think they necessarily want to see Prince lose, but Ray's so popular or something <laughs> yeah, like sure. that. Yeah, they all love the prints. Right. Uh, jump and spin kick by Rey Mysterio. Springboard spit lo- split-legged moonsault gets two count for Rey Mysterio. Uh, but he gets caught on the top, and Prince does a uh, kind of super fallaway slam, which I hadn't seen uh, a whole lot. I thought that looked good, actually. Um, and out comes Regal to the ringside area. Ray goes for the Rana, but Regal pulls him off the apron and uh, rolls him back in, and Prince is able to get the cover for the one, two, three. Uh, but once Prince Ikea pins Mysterio, he sees Regal, kind of puts two and two together, realizes what happened, and then ends up like offering the title belt to Mysterio, who uh, he says, you know, I, I, I. I don't want it. Bobby, of course, on commentary says that Ray will pawn it if he gets it. So, so we get that or make it a hood ornament. So, so of course, on brand commentary from Bobby. Uh, but but they end up kind of embracing. Ray gives the belt back to Ikea. Then I thought Tony did a good job on commentary talking about Regal's motives and how he thinks it would be easier to beat Ikea in a rematch uh, than to go against Rey Mysterio. So so I thought this match actually was um, pretty successful in the way they booked it, um, where I thought Regal's motivations made sense, and I thought they did a good enough job of showing that Iokea was a little bit in over his head, but, you know, was able to have a competent match, was gaining some momentum, and whatnot. So, so I, I didn't think this was a disaster or anything. Obviously, if you had Ray versus Regal and gave them like twelve minutes, you'd probably be expecting at least a match that's like really good, if not like great. Hopefully, um, certainly the potential is there. Uh, whereas this, this I just thought was like a good match, but it's Prince Ikea, so. We'll track as it goes along. This may be his career match. I don't know, but I only went three stars. Um, but I get—I I mean, to me, that kind of overachieved actually than what I thought coming in. Like, uh, like I don't know. It's a weird match where it's—I mean, it's—it's just good. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, surprising for him. Yeah, surprising for him. Yeah, Dusty talks a lot about his confidence growing with every match. Uh. Dusty's rambling about countries that vote for kings. That's where all the princes are from. <laughs> like He's all over the place. Uh, Tony, I thought, has a good talking point because it's unique to WCW. Or he talks about how manipulating the time limit is a big part of what comes with being TV champion. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Prince really controlled a big, a big bulk early. Um, the Rana before uh, Regal comes out sloppy from Ray. Uh, Regal, and I think they, I think he probably wasn't supposed to hit that one because he does it. It's yeah. kind of sloppy, and then he goes up to do it again. I think Regal was probably late coming out, is my guess. Yeah. Um, so Regal yanks him down, and then, yeah, the finish is is whatever. Um, I like the match. I think Prince stayed in his lane, Ray's Ray. The crowd checked out a bit because Prince just has no heat. Um, you know, again, though, we are stacking three matches with interesting, quick-moving faces, which I think is a good idea. Um, Prince showed determination. He hung around and then seals the win. Um uh, but to me, I would have had Ray win. Like, I, 
I would have I would have pulled the trigger on in the experiment. Yeah. yeah, I think it's clear that Prince doesn't have it. I mean, they can try and force it, but he doesn't need the belt to to work his way up the card again. Like they played it as a fluke when he won it. Losing to Ray Mysterio is not like he's losing to some jabron. So it's like I think Ray beating him would have been fine. Get the belt off of Prince and move along. Um, you know, and again, it was it was fun, um, but this title should be. You know, way more fun if it was on Ray or Regal like that it is on, on Prince. Mm-hmm. I also think Prince looked like a cuck um, at the end. Like, <laughs> like Regal helps him win. Then he wants to give the title to Ray. Ray's like, no, you have it. Like, it's, it made him look like a real bitch. So, like, I don't think in any way has he looked strong. I mean, this match, I went three as well. It was fine. But it's all Ray. I think he, looked, he looked weak in winning the belt. And he looked like a pussy here. And I don't I don't see any future with him. Like, if, if this is their attempt to, to be Rocky... Like it's night and day to me. Like I know Rocky hasn't had barn burning matches, but you can see the difference in overall charisma and presentation already between the two of them. I think the issue uh, with uh, yeah, I mean they could have had Ray beat him here. I I, I do think it might be a, a tad early, um, and then I think the problem comes with if you were just gonna have Regal beat him. I mean maybe that's fine. But it's almost like you'd want to do like what they did in the opener where Ray comes out and kind of inadvertently or somehow causes Regal to win the title. Right. Um, but yeah, you probably could just have Regal win too. I don't I don't think that'd been awful. So uh promo with the giant backstage with Gene. Giant says he knows how bad the outsiders could drive. So he <laughs> gives us some insight to that. Um, he's been in hotels with them, knows they are all about the mind games. They want mm-hmm. the giant insane going into his match. Uh, but he's not talking erratic and he has his composure with him. He play the game at his speed. He's the conductor and Holland Nash are playing the instruments and he guarantees us. So this may be our first guarantee of the Monday night war era where we have a lot of, uh, we'll have a lot of guarantees coming up. Um, the next couple of years, mainly from events at Kennedy McMahon, but um, <laughs> uh, this was a giant guarantee mm-hmm. that he'll be walking out with the tag titles. I like the strategy here. I, I thought the promo was good, you know, saying because mm-hmm. it's true. They've they, it was an issue with him and the Hogan matches, right? They kept trying yep. to bait him into snapping and everything else, and so he said, "Like I'm not going to fall for the mind games. I'm just going to do my play my game. Let them come to me." Right. Uh, our next matchup is Dallas Page versus Buff Bagwell. Good pop for Page. He's still smoking his cigar. Uh, pretty much besides that, I think he's, at this point, changed kind of his aesthetic. That theme definitely feels associated with Buff and Scott Norton. I think <laughs> yes. Talked about. Um, and Horace Hogan. Yeah, Buff, Buff's wearing the red, red uh, tights. Mm-hmm. The uh, red choker tonight. Uh, Paige takes over right away. Uh, Dallas, I don't know what happened here. Like on his back, it looked like his lower back was sunburned because mm-hmm. he had like a big red splotch. And is just can his he, bed gone wrong, maybe? I don't know what happened because <laughs> it wasn't anywhere else except his lower back, but it just looked odd. Uh, Buff's able to gain the advantage on the outside. He sends Dallas for throat first onto the uh, top rope um kind of does a lot of generic i would say hill stuff where he's choking page barking at the camera 
Um, he maintains control but gets a little more flustered. Then he he pushes the referee Scott Dickinson and Dickinson like I mean bitches him out completely, like shoves him down, gets in his face. Uh, He's watching the Tommy Young tapes the night before. Very yeah, way too much Tommy Young for me. I didn't like that at all, actually. Uh, Dallas is able to recover after that. Hits a big punch, a spin around clothesline, an inverted atomic drop and power bomb. Uh, but Buff's able to get a elbow up in the corner and pins him with his foot on the ropes for two. Uh, Page then goes for the diamond cutter, but Buff's able to get a backslide. So that was some pretty good resourcefulness from Buff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then another boneheaded Buff move where he hits a fisherman suplex and then instead of the uh, pinfall attempt, he wants Scott Dickinson to count him out with a 10 count, which made no sense. Um, and immediately, once Paige gets back up, he goes for the neck breaker and gets hit with the diamond cutter. But before Paige can make the cover, out comes Vincent and uh, Wall Street, and, and uh, DDP has to retreat in the crowd. And Nick Patrick's out there, too, yelling at Scott Dickinson. Um, so, so this was a pretty generic match. I thought I, there, there was just portions of this match I didn't like where I thought Bagwell looked too weak, uh, getting punked out by the referee. And then I kind of understand the finish because they didn't want him to get pinned. Um, but he was laid out, right? So I think the intent was still there. Right. Um, he loses the match by DQ anyway. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Overall, in this match, I didn't necessarily know why Buff had to be booked for this match, to be honest. Like, I, I think you could have put out Norton or Bubba if he wasn't injured or something, you know, anybody else from the NWOB team yeah. and done the same thing of kind of Paige rising up the ranks. Maybe it was like a ladder thing with the feud he's about to kickstart and being thrusted more in the main event. That this you would have been better off not having a match. Like, yeah. Like, Take out Bubba on Nitro, and then, and then no one shows, and maybe just has a brawl. Maybe comes out for a promo, and then he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have an opponent for you. And then they all just, like, attack him or something. Yeah. Because this this screamed of them just trying to protect Buff. So it's like, mm-hmm. why put him in there? Because he does yep. the two with the foot on the rope. Then he has the cradle suplex, but he releases. And then he doesn't even get pinned. Like, so if DDP's your next mega guy, which we know yeah. he is because yep. he's got a huge feud coming, um, you know, why not give him someone he can beat or whatever? So, uh, yeah, to me, that that felt a little unnecessary overall. So I was slow when Buff was on top. I mean, he's still figuring out the character and what he's going to be. And you could tell the highlight for me was Dusty trying to say chronologically. <laughs> he, could, he could not get that out. <laughs> um, you know, Paige's snap offense is great. Like, to me, that was the best part of the match. Uh, it was kept tight. It was good structure. We've, we've said it. You said it earlier. Like, all the matches are pretty short tonight, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, whatever. Page gets the win, uh, continuing to work his way up. Buff coming into his own, but just too many stupid things that killed the flow. Um, so, whatever. I went two and a half. Like, it was fine. Yeah, I went two and a half, too. I mean, that's fine. This this was my least favorite booking on this show, though. Yeah, it was it was not, not needed at all. I would have just done that. I would have had DDP come out and say, I guess, I guess there's no one to fight me. And then they all just, like, swarm him and he fights them off or something. Yeah. Uh, we're showing Keith Phillips. He was the Sony PlayStation giveaway winner. Won that at uh, Planet Hollywood. So from Ogden. Uh, congrats to him. He was wearing some yeah. PlayStation swag. It was the tournament champions. Uh, Toball won. He beat out Sean Kidd uh, in the finals <laughs> to win the tournament. 
Oh boy. <laughs> it's rough. Uh, next was a match I was looking forward to Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho. I'll say this like, I know we just had Buff versus Paige. This is where I think the first three matches all being kind of junior mm-hmm. heavyweight type matches that hurt this one from a heat standpoint. Yeah. Because um, we have some really good wrestling to start, but the crowd's just not into it. Um, and then uh, there's the cross body outside, which we'd seen for a couple of matches. And there's also where Eddie gets crotched and does a springboard drop kick. Uh, Jericho does um, send him to the outside. And we'd seen that kind of, or variations of that with Rana's and whatnot. And it just didn't get good reaction. I thought the psychology of this match was pretty strong where it's essentially like they're even, but Eddie has more experience. Uh, so Jericho's having to take more risks. Um, so I like that. Like Eddie gets the early advantage, but then, you know, like Jericho has to do a reversal uh, he starts working on the back a little bit with a Boston Crab and then does kind of a crucifix bow and arrow rack combo that uh, Tony calls out on um, on commentary. And then Eddie, I thought, got aggressive pretty quickly where he uh, does the powerbomb, brainbuster climbs up for the frog splash, but Jericho's able to roll away and hits a release German, which looked really good. Um, as we go closer to the finish, it's more kind of back and forth even. Um, with a lot of uh, counters and whatnot. Uh, Jericho hits a bridging Northern Lights suplex for two, which looked good. Um, and then we get to the actual finish where they're reversing, going back and forth, and Eddie basically hits a float over Sunset Flip for the pin. So um, uh, I, th- I think this was our longest match of the night. This was about 12 minutes. Um, so, again, it didn't overstay its welcome, but it was the longest match of the night. And uh, I thought while this was technically good, uh, again, it suffered from card placement and also mm. a dead crowd. Um, so so that was a little disappointing um, to me. So I, I went three stars here. I, I was disappointed in this match. Again, not enough to say it's bad or derailed the show because it's these two guys. But uh, I, was, I was hoping for something in at least that kind of like really good to great range. And I know they have a match later on at Fall Brawl, which I like a lot. Uh, but yeah. by that point, Eddie's heel. So I think that dynamic really helps um, perform a better match. Yeah, I'm curious as we go, like, because the roster is going to keep getting so so much bigger. Are they going to lead to mat- cards like this with a lot more matches that are shorter versus like the smaller six or seven match cards? Like, because the roster is going to get so big and they're going to have so much going on. Are we going to get a lot of nine, 10 or 11 match cards that are more, you know, six, yeah. seven, eight minute matches? So we'll, we'll see as we go, um, which I don't think uh, hurts when you look at the card. Yeah. Ten match- the card- That's a lot. Ten matches in a three hour show is a good bet. Yeah, you know, when you look at the constitution of the main events, it's probably not the worst thing to have sub 10, no. 10 minute main events. Um, I'll be curious too when the Eddie heel stuff starts. It's going to be soon ish, I would think. So we'll we'll track yeah. that. Uh, Bobby calls Eddie Eddie Graham when he comes out. Uh, he's lost in San Francisco tonight a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. Like Eddie, Bobby even says, like, Eddie looks distracted. He's not as crisp. I don't know if he's trying to cover for the lack of crowd interest or they're trying to push Eddie maybe has the Dean thing in his mind a little bit from earlier and is throwing him off. Um, Jericho really dominates through the back end until Eddie steals the win. So I, I thought it was weird. It was definitely slow. 
very map based early and it felt like maybe they were going through the motions and then it just never fully escalated once they got going uh, the crowd did not help both guys seemed hesitant not the chemistry you'd kind of hope for although maybe in a different setting this could work but it just didn't click uh luckily for them the floor is high so it was still good but it was not really what it could have been to pop the show so disappointing to me overall eddie i think needs that change that we're talking about for sure i think he's kind of played as the you know friendly pro happy wcw guy uh and i think you know jericho really owned the match and eddie it's kind of been a trend lately he's kind of been sneaking out wins a lot after being dominated through most of the match so i went three and a quarter um again it was good but their their ceiling should be much higher I just uh, did a peek because I was curious about that. They don't have 10 matches on another pay-per-view till uh, <laughs> Super Brawl next year. All right. Um, so so it, it, it looks like for uh, most of the year, starting in like Slambury time frame, they land on nine matches, which I think is a pretty good sweet spot where you yeah. could add two to three minutes uh, to some of these other matches to make them more of a showcase. And I, I like eight or nine matches, I would say, for three-hour cards. Pretty good. Yeah. Um. All right. Now we enter our triple or triangle. They don't say triple three. Triangle tag match here. It's the Faces of Fear versus Harlem Heat. Uh, you can tell, like, they were churning pretty quick because you had those Gene, two Gene interview segments. Mm -hmm. After that, it was like, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Like, there's no, um, there, it's it's one of those shows where they'll show the replay of the finish and you hear yeah, the music, insurance, yeah. uh, exit music of the winner of the previous match. And then as soon as the replay is over and Bobby narrates that, the entrance music for the next match starts right up. Well, I think that's a product of having 10 matches. Yeah. Like, they're yeah, like, you know, we can't, we can't really fuck around. We're just going to yep. keep going. Yeah, yep. this this seemed like a very tight, like, 245, because it was 245 exactly almost on the network. So, timed out well, but it was it was a pretty quick pace. Uh, so, it's Faces of Fear, Harlem Heat versus Public Enemy. Uh, Harlem Heat has their silver outfits on. They said it was new gear. It looked great. I liked it. Uh, Rocco Rocks also shaved his head, which was funny because they had pyro, and Dusty says that uh, he lost his hair during the <laughs> pyro. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, Rocco Rock and Stevie Ray start out. Stevie gives a press slam, a good scissor kick uh, from Stevie to Johnny Grunge when he comes in. Booker's able to hit a scissor kick. Uh, Harlem Heat just dominates Public Enemy for the first couple minutes of this match. Spin a Rooney in the back kick looks great. Uh, but he misses Booker T, misses a charge, and Ming gets tagged in. Ming hits a drop kick, uh, which they put over on commentary as being uh, not a customary move that Ming utilizes. Uh, Barbarian comes in and hits the awesome belly-to-belly -belly suplex onto Booker T that always looks great. Uh, pile driver from Ming to Booker T looked nasty. Double headbutt from the Faces of Fear. Um, so it's almost like you had two matches. Like you started out with Harlem Heat versus Public Enemy. Yep. Then it boils down to Harlem Heat versus the Faces of Fear uh, with Public Enemy kind of hanging out on the apron. And that plays into the finish. I wasn't liking the structure of this match until the finish. Uh, but it plays into the finish where uh, Rocco Rock does a dive from the top, kind of trying to pick his spot, but he gets caught. Um, but then Johnny Grunge hits the cross body, and that allows Public Enemy to steal the pin, uh, which they present as an upset on commentary. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I thought this was a solid match. This was a little disjointed, I think, with the triangle approach. Um, uh, but there was some cool stuff in this. I, I thought the, the uh, kicks on Harlem Heat especially looked vicious uh, in this match. And then the Faces of Fear are always good to have a couple of nasty, like, big man throws between the belly to belly, uh, the pile driver for me, and he bust out the drop kick. Uh, Public Enemy picking up the win was a little suspect. Um, I think both of us are kind of maybe more sour on public enemy. I, I, I feel like they're getting a little long, um, long winded, uh, but, but it was okay. And again, I thought psychologically wise, it was pretty good. Them kind of picking their spot. Um, I actually think, and I don't think they go this way, but I'll be on the lookout. They probably forget it. But um, I actually thought this might be a pretty good Avenue for them to kind of tilt a little heelish. Mm. like that they were, you know, advantageous because it, it feels like Harlem Heat's now, you know, firmly more face. Yeah. And even the faces of fear, they're in the Dungeon of Doom, but they're throwing these guys around. They've been toe-to-toe with the outsiders. So they're kind of toeing the line. So I thought this would be a good opportunity for Public Enemy to kind of go that heel route, um, which I no, would the like. Tag division, the tag division felt very amorphous for a while, where it's there's no face heel alignment at all. Yeah. It's like yeah. all they see, the French Canadians are pretty heel, Canadians, but beyond that, yeah. you know, and, and the Steiners are kind of pure face, but beyond that, it's like everything else is kind of jumbled. But even the Steiners acted heelish, like back in the fall with Sting yeah. and Luger and that stuff. Um, this lost all its luster once the Steiners got taken out due to the car accident. Like once right. it that dropped it down, and we even find out that the number one contender step is gone because the Steiners are out of the match. So like these guys don't even get that anymore because of the outsiders really fucked them all. Um, so that that kind of sucked. Uh, Dusty and Bobby get hot for Sherry. Bobby compares it to Sean Connery at one point. <laughs> uh, Dusty says she's as devilish as the rest of the women. Uh, Tony then explains what a triangle match is, and Dusty says, "Yeah, the folks in Australia may not know because the first time they were in Australia." So that was pretty funny. Um, you know, the match is whatever. We get more talk about outsiders Luger and Giant, honestly, than anything. He said, "Tony, assuming Bischoff's going to find another loophole to screw the Giant." Um, Barbarian was uh, was uh, the highlight as usual. Him and Ming, the spike pile driver was nice, and then yeah, the finish is the finish. I mean, the face of fear power offense were the best. I thought Harlem Heat looked fine when they were in control, and just a tough loss for Harlem Heat. They're really scuffling. So I went two and three quarters, and more than anything, it just shows off the tag depth. Um, but I think Public Enemy is another team that'd be better off if they would head to Stanford at this time. Like with the way DoDF is going to start to mix up things and get a little bit more plundery like going into the new setup. I think if the tag division would have added, you know, we already know the blackjacks are coming. Like we talked about them. Um, you know, there's another team showing up and then maybe you mix in public enemy and the French Canadian, like suddenly you kind of have a division right. uh, with is still very weak right now, but we've added the headbanger. So it could have added some nice depth if you yeah. pick up a couple more teams, but yeah, them in the headbanger shows like a feud you could fill out a mid card. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know why they're not using PG thirteen. We're not going to get into the raw side of things, but like they have PG thirteen right there. Like I'm surprised they're not using them as a team. Yeah, yeah, just using them as basically uh, bumpers for yeah, Ahmed <laughs> throwing them around. Uh, next was our match that you know that you could have said this match. Uh, you know, I spoke earlier that I thought like the placement kind of hurt Eddie Jericho. I might have put this match uh, ahead of it, but this was actually a match that I think had big stakes, and this was another oh, yeah. one that watching the build in helped a lot. So it's Mongo versus Jeff Jarrett 
if Jarrett wins, he's in the horseman. Uh, Deborah claps when Jared enters. Bobby says, uh, you know, he doesn't gossip, so he's not going to uh, discuss what Deborah's true intentions are. Uh, Jarrett kind of out wrestles Mongo to start, which I thought made sense, and he struts around. Mongo's able to overpower him, gets a power slam, clips Jarrett with the three point stance. Uh, on the outside, Jarrett retreats and Mongo goes after him, but uh, Deborah stops Mongo from going after him. Uh, Jarrett then attacks, and when they go back in the ring, Deborah says that both of them got to stay in the ring. Dusty says she should be the commissioner. So <laughs> she was ruling the, ruling the house here. Uh, big clothesline for Mongo. Uh, he goes to the outside uh, to chase after Jared again because Deborah was wiping Jared off with a towel <laughs> in a funny little spot. And then Mongo grabs the towel, chokes Jared out with it, and sends him into the guardrail, which looked pretty vicious. Uh, but uh, Mongo puts his head down. Jared's able to take advantage of that. Uh, Jarrett does some kind of basic offense off of that, but there was one moment where he was choking Mongo on the ropes. And this was interesting because he does it twice. He specifically tells the referee, I have till five. And I was like, uh, you know, because the way he does it is exactly how Danielson does it. It was like one of those weird moments where it was like, well, did he just watch this match and lift it? I mean, because Danielson does study enough tape that it's right. definitely possible. I feel like that was a Jarrett thing. Like, I don't think it was even just here. Like, it, I remember it, him doing that. He way. does that, but just like, yeah, I mean, like the way he did it here is exactly like he, he stops. He specifically puts the five into the ref's face and says, I have till five. Uh, Deborah says on the outside, I don't know who to help. Bobby says, why don't you help the person that's paying your bills? <laughs> <laughs> and then Tony's like, she's married to one of the guys. <laughs> so the commentary was pretty good on this match, actually. Uh, um, Mongo gets a side suplex. Dusty's impressed with that, says he's improving. Uh, side Saito, uh, side Salto suplex uh, gets a near fall from Mongo. And then uh, on a pin attempt, Jarrett kind of rakes the eyes of Scott Dickinson. So Dickinson's down and out. Tough night for Dickinson. Tough night for him. <laughs> he had his moment of glory when he poked out Buff. Uh, but uh, with him out, Mongo asked for the briefcase from Deborah. Deborah's very reluctant to give it to him and then kind of throws it up in the air. It goes over Mongo's head. Jarrett catches it, whacks Mongo with it, and pins him. Uh, so now Jarrett's a horseman here, and the camera cuts to Deborah, and she's like, damn it, but then she winks at the camera uh, and does a great job. I mean, this, all right, like, this This is a Memphis match. Like, there's no other way to mm -hmm. say it. Like, this is a very Southern Memphis-style match. I'm, I'm, you know, bias towards those so i i in general enjoy those uh but i thought this is well done i again like i think the spots that you wouldn't think of made sense here where mongo could overpower jared but jared was the long-standing wrestler he right. had experience on his side so like when mongo puts his head down that's when the match takes over it was very natural like transitions and progressions 
Uh, Mongo had a couple of like little ugly bumps and spots, nothing like major. Um, uh, but but you know, a couple things that weren't the most pretty things in the world, but uh, overall, I, I, again, like we're two Mongo defenders, I thought this was a, a, a good showcase storyline match that I thoroughly enjoyed. Again, it didn't try to go out there and reinvent the wheel, it didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, about nine minutes, right time frame for these two guys. And I thought Jared did a good job of leading them through the match with what he needed to do. And it progressed the story where I'm interested to see what happens next. And Deborah, I think, has done a great acting job, too. Uh, so I went two and three quarters here. I, I really enjoyed this for what it was. Yeah, I'm with you. I think where it was made sense. Like, I would argue this is the, the what have we got, three left after this? Like, the fourth yeah. biggest match on the card, yeah. I think, is bigger than Jericho, Eddie, by far. Like, there's been yeah. so much time put into the Horseman story. <laughs> Jarrett and Mongo is a big piece of it um, all through it. So I, I'm fine with this um, and the way it's been built. You know, they do talk a lot about the experience being a factor. You get the Deborah stuff all throughout it. Um, Dusty says Deborah's like Don King, <laughs> just promoting these <laughs> matches, I guess. Uh, and then the finish makes sense too with Deborah just getting frustrated, chucks the briefcase. You know, low key, she was hoping Jarrett would get it, right? It kind of works out for her, and Jarrett gets the win. Um, Deborah kind of gives a whelp and then winks as Jarrett's bragging. So I just find him mean, a little awkward at times because Mongo is so green, but I thought he did well. He stuck to his power offense, he let Jarrett drive the ship. They didn't go overboard with Deborah, she just kind of little things here and there throughout mm-hmm. the match. It didn't overpower and dominate the storyline in any way. Um, you know, I think I think the biggest positive you could say is that this could have been a real mess, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good match. So it could have really given a disaster, and they didn't. It wasn't. So Devers' motives stay in the air. Gives her a little cover for when the horsemen come bitching, right? She goes, hey, look, I thought Steve was taking the briefcase. I threw it at him. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they continue. Jarrett looks to be a horseman now. So we'll see how that goes as well. So I went two and three quarters as well. Yeah, you and I are both pro Mongo in the show. So we'll see how he gets <laughs> to develop. But he, there's been very little right now complaint in the Mongo department. He's been very solid across the board. Right. Uh, next match right away Kevin Sullivan versus Chris yeah. Benoit, San Francisco death match. Jacqueline and woman strapped, tied up together. Woman has her hair pulled back. She's wearing heels. Uh, they were both her and Jacqueline. And leather. She has to go leather, leather pants. pants. Yeah, woman, yeah, yeah, leather pants for woman. Jacqueline's in a like a one piece leather bodysuit. So they're they're ready to go. Uh, all of them go after each other. Every everybody on commentary absolutely loves it at the opening. Mm-hmm. Dusty is absolutely beside himself by how oh, much yeah. he's loving it. Um, the punches on the inside of the ring are nasty if you mm-hmm. watch them uh they weren't pulling them and uh benoit and sullivan really go at it dusty makes a commentary note on that he says they were dogging it um which i hadn't really heard but like dog, fight, dog fight maybe something like that yeah, like snug or somebody yeah. says those punches were dogging i was like okay uh, woman strapping Jacqueline, both women get in the ring, and the woman's able to get some big straps in on Jacqueline. And then Sullivan comes over and kind of shows woman, turns around, and a woman straps Sullivan on the back. Benoit does the same thing to Jacqueline. She returns the favor. Sullivan chokes Benoit with the strap, uh, hangs him from the uh, from the ropes, and then Jacqueline kicks Benoit right in the nuts. <laughs> She loved that. Absolutely. He kicked him in the thing. She kicked him in the thing. <laughs> Just absolutely <laughs> losing it over that. 
A woman beats up Sullivan on the inside. Tony calls this a neighborhood fight. Uh, Bobby says it looks like a trailer park on that Saturday <laughs> night. Um, double clothesline with the strap, and then uh, the match breaks down. We get our split screen where the women are still women are still fighting in the ring. Sullivan and Benoit do their usual kind of crowd brawl. Yep. Uh, not not the most interesting crowd brawl for these two. Probably the least interesting actually, where they kind of go to the backstage area. It looks like they're in the parking lot or somewhere. Yeah, they're um, like on a loading dock. Yeah, the, the main the main spot here is Sullivan slams Benoit on kind of one of those equipment trucks that uh, like Kane ends up driving at WrestleMania 17. <laughs> <laughs> one of those. Um, and then uh, and then they come back to the ring. Benoit gets put in the tree of woe, double stomp after that, but woman's able to strap Sullivan to uh, break up the pin attempt. Uh, Benoit then hits a nasty pile driver. Jackie clubs a woman hard uh, as Benoit pulls out a table. Sullivan's put on top of the table. Benoit goes to the top rope and dives off the table with a crossbody. And while he does that, Jacqueline climbs on top of Sullivan uh, to kind of protect her man or whatever. Uh, the table doesn't break. It looks nasty, too. It, it, it didn't. I mean, it looked gross. Um, and uh, Benoit is able to pick up the pin in a crazy spot. Uh, then we get the post-match, which was really cool, where uh, mm-hmm. Benoit, Sullivan, Jacqueline, they're all, like, out, out of commission. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah. Uh, so first, uh, Arn Anderson kind of comes out to the entranceway. He's, he looks perplexed at everything. Then Paul Orndorff actually comes out and gets in the ring to check on the guys. Uh, Staggerly, yeah. So he gets yelled at about fifteen times by Lee Marshall. Yeah. Get help, Paul! Get Staggerly, help! <laughs> he for some reason comes out. Terry Taylor, um, uh, Tony makes a comment at one point that Woman was holding hands with Jimmy Hart, like they're both in the ring looking concerned. And eventually, three stretchers come out. They load all three of them up on the stretcher, put them in the ambulance, and drive off. Uh, so, so I thought this was a good kind of um, finish to this. Put a lot of emphasis on the war that they had. There was a lot of time, but um, I, I, I like the way that was done. It did feel like a departure from what you normally see. So I, I thought that was well done. Uh, as a match, this wasn't the highest end brawl we got, but another kind of entertaining chapter in this feud in ring-wise. Uh, I thought the stuff with the women was uh, very entertaining. Uh, you could tell towards the end they were both gassed, um, but but uh, I, th- I thought they played their role very well. Um, and there was a lot of intensity involved here, um, probably, which was a shoot <laughs> to some degree. Uh, so I went three and a half. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a really good match. Yeah, I mean, the usual wild hot brawl with these maniacs. I like the finish where... Benoit covers Sullivan under the broken table, and Curtis is kind of Mark Curtis is kind of waits a beat, shrugs, and then counts. He's like, "All right, I guess we're done." Um, yeah, the Lee Marshall thing cracked me up. I don't, I don't know why he was out there, but he's he's yelling at Paul, poor Paul Ondorf. Good help, Paul. Good help. Good help, Paul. Uh, yeah. uh, so Benoit wins again. Uh, you know, I thought the crowd and commentary really helped carry this. We'll see if it's still going to go or if this is it. I mean, Jackie's so new to it. So it seems early to end this phase, even though this feud has been going for over a year now. Uh, or I'm sorry, not when did it start? May? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, they faced off at Great American Bash 96, so. Yeah, so, all right, so we'll call it ten mo- nine months, whatever. Um, it's been going for, for a while, intensely. So it seemed, but it still seems early in ways to end it because of just adding Jackie a month ago. Um, right. And the hit rate continues to be high. Like, like they've been, you know, everything's been consistent with these guys. Jackie's been amazing. She's been fantastic. What a big addition. The finish was sick, bouncing off the table. Woman was great. The whole thing was great. I went three and a half stars. The whole package is really good. And they do. I, I'd say this is the, the matching angle they give the most time to on the show. Yeah, probably overall. Uh, next is our... Uh... Tag team match. Oh, we got an uncensored ad with uh, Hugh Morris in the side. Well, at least I'll say this about these. Like, this wasn't great, but at least you had a wrestler in this one. I don't think he was actually on the show, but it wasn't as bad as that maniac that did whatever for Super Brawl. But it's like the same style. It's weird. It's It's the same same style. It's still not great, but I mean, I I think like being paranoid and weird for a show called Uncensored makes a lot more sense than this random dude in the lab for a show called Super Brawl. It's just stupid. Uh, it's the Giant versus the Outsiders. One of the more infamous Outsider shirts here from Hall and Six. They have a promo Azteca uh, shirt, which is a promotion that just started in Mexico. Uh, Dusty's completely confused. He thinks this is Alcatraz. Yeah, he says, oh, they got the Alcatraz shirts on. <laughs> I think it's Tony that says, I says Azteca. He was like, I was just testing you to see if you were Oh, yeah, he gets roasted. He gets roasted. Yeah. Just... <laughs> what do you think? He's like, like, oh, the trolling piper with the ass, ass, uh... <laughs> You think Harry Potter had come by you, man. The Azkaban shirt. Oh, my Lord. Dusty's a mess on some of these shows. <laughs> Uh, six is out with the outsiders. Of course, they have the main theme. Uh, Hall mocks the giant to start with his like walk and whatever. Uh, giant dominates Hall until Nash gets tagged in. Uh, well, they also do they... the uh, the classic rock paper scissors first to decide oh, who's yeah. going to start the match. Smart, yeah, that's right. a that's a vintage uh, outsiders thing. Right, right. Uh, when when Nash and Giant square off, it's a big like battle of the titan looking mm-hmm. match. It looks cool. Uh, Nash charges in with a big clothesline in the corner. Giant returns the favor. Drop kick from Giant that Nash takes a great bump to the outside on. Uh, it was almost, in a lot of ways, similar to the bump he takes off of DDP when he goes flying yeah. into the table. Like Nash takes great bumps when he does that. Uh, Giant lifts Nash up and posts him. Big elbow drop that Hall has to make the save on. Six comes off the top rope with the belt, and that allows Nash to get a uh, boot in the face of the Giant. Now the Outsiders are able to take over with uh, Hall hitting a uh, sloppy but kind of nasty-looking bulldog from the Mm -hmm. second rope where he drives Giant's head down. Uh, Giant makes his big comeback, though, after a couple minutes of that, though. Six gets thrown on top of Nash. Hall uses the belt, and the Giant doesn't go down. Uh, but he is winded, and that allows Nash to hit a power bomb on the Giant, and it is perfectly executed. Yeah, it was awesome. In a great spot. Um, in about 11 months, they repeat that spot. It doesn't <laughs> go as well, but uh, it, it went off without a hitch right here. That looked great. Hall's great on the apron celebrating that. Um, but as that happens, we cut to the entranceway and Lex Luger's coming out. Uh, I liked how Bischoff was right behind him <laughs> going, no, no, no. But uh, Luger immediately grabs Bischoff, sends him into like the guardrail area, do a huge pop, gets on the apron, 
is asking from a tag. Dusty gives that a hell yes when uh, Luger comes down. Luger gets the tag, uses his cast to wipe out all the NWO members, is able to get Nash up in the torture rack. Nash gives up. So uh, referee, this is Mark Curtis. He calls for the bell. Uh, goes to give the Giant and Luger the belts, but uh, Giant wants to be sure. So he gives Hall the choke slam and then pins him again as insurance. Um, well, it's said Curtis wanted to cover the bases. So like, right, right. So yeah. then I think, well, he didn't really give up. Exactly. You call for the bell. They're like, let's make it, it as obvious as possible. Smart baby face decision, which you don't right, see right. very often. So it was, uh, it was used as like extra. You know, there was no loopholes or whatever within this uh, from what they tried to do to cover all the bases. Um, so, so I love this as a segment. Again, it didn't overstay its welcome. The giant was insanely over. The power bomb and the big moves landed and looked impactful. When Luger comes out, he gets a big pop. Bischoff and there were big Luger chants too, like earlier yeah. in the match when they were yeah. double teaming. Right. Uh, Bischoff isn't overbearing. He um, comes right out, gets bumped, and then we don't see him the rest of the show. So, so he's on screen for. 20 seconds in this show, uh, which is good. And uh, overall, very fun, entertaining segment uh, match slash match. Uh, so I went three and a quarter. I thought this was very entertaining. The Outsiders have very high success rate on pay-per-view. <laughs> like all of their matches have either been entertaining angles or well done in the ring. I love the psychology down the stretch here. So Nash has the jackknife. And as Lugers come down, he collapses in pain because – it's not because his back had gotten beaten on, which it was a bit with the post and everything, but it's because of powerbombing Giant. While it was effective, it took a lot out of him. It really sapped his strength. His back is hurting. So then when Luger puts him in the rack, his back is already weak. So it, it, it like makes sense why he'd give up because not only is the rack a lethal finisher, his back is all fucked up from the jackknife. So he's like, he's really screwed. So he's got to give up. So I like that they set up the rack by doing that. But it keeps Nash looking strong. It's not like he just hurt his back in the match. He he hit this awesome move, but it took so much out of him. It ended up losing the match for him. So I thought that was cool. Um, you know, it was it was heavy on the mind games and trickery, but it worked. The Luger pop was big. He's red hot right now. It was a good moment for WCW. Um, Giant looked good. He looked strong. He handled all three guys, showed off some agility. The jackknife spot's memorable. Um, even though you know, and even Tony says it, like, oh, enjoy it now, because tomorrow night on Nitro, Bischoff's going to fuck us all and take the belts back. But for now, we can we can enjoy the moment. So I went three and a quarter as well. I thought it was really good. And again, most outsider stuff on pay-per-view has been very good so far. All right. Uh, so that leads us right into our main event. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan versus Roddy Piper. Hogan comes out first with Vincent and Ted DiBiase. Uh, Bobby lets us know that his man Woodrow said Hogan insisted on coming out first. Piper comes out and with his tattered shirt, basically dressed uh, the same attire he was wearing when we saw him. Uh, so he came straight from Alcatraz is the story here. Um, and th this match has worked as, you know, Hogan just being a... Uh, a pussy heel, <laughs> like he tries to <laughs> retreat. He tries to retreat up the aisle. Piper chases him down, beats him up. Low blow by Piper. Ted, I did like that where he hits a low blow, and Ted DiBiase gets on the apron immediately, like calling for a DQ. And was outraged that uh, it wasn't. Uh, Piper chokes Hogan with the shirt. Roddy chants break out from the crowd. 
Piper uses a chair, gouges the eye, bat biting him. Uh, Wall Street comes out. He gets decked. Vincent's on the apron. He gets decked. Uh, but then uh, Hogan gets a shot to the throat, takes over um, for a second. But Piper weathers the storm, crotches Hogan. Uh, and then we essentially go to our finish pretty quickly. So, so this, I mean, this whole match goes like 11 minutes. It's, it's perfect. It is quick. <laughs> um, uh, so Sting and Savage come out to the ringside area. Savage starts to walk towards the ring, but Sting puts his hand on his shoulder and stops him. Uh, and then they both start to walk to the back, but Savage turns around and continues going towards the ring area. Sting kind of stays at the entrance way. Uh, we get the crowd chanting, we want Sting. Sting is then shown walking away, so he leaves. He's done. Hogan's able to pipe, post Piper on the outside, but then Piper makes his comeback inside the ring. Locks on the sleeper. Hogan gets counted out, uh, but Hogan's feet was under the ropes when that happens. Uh, so it calls for the bell, but then when that happens, you see Savage like drag Hogan's feet. Uh, and then the camera's on Savage. Uh, then you see Savage put something in Hogan's hand right as the match restarts. Hogan decks Piper with the uh, international foreign object or the knuckles or whatever. Hogan pins Piper. Tony yells, what the hell's going on? Dusty's repulsed at all this. Um, and you get the big heel turn for Randy Savage as he joins the NWO post-match. Savage revises Hogan. Uh, Savage punches Piper repeatedly, spray paints him, and then Hogan holds him down as he gives him two elbow drops. Hogan then gives multiple leg drops. They go to the camera. Hogan says this was for the brotherhood, and uh, you know, him and Macho and Unison say this is too sweet. And celebrate as um, Macho gives one more elbow drop yep. to Piper. Um, so, so as a match, you know, like this was <laughs> certainly not no technical classic uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I'll keep saying that with these Hogan matches, they're not as bad as I thought they were. And I do think they're pretty, again, psychologically strong. Like Hogan yeah, yeah. is a scared baby that is going to need some sort of chicanery mm -hmm. to pick up the win. And he performed that way here. He's not going to out wrestle anybody. It's not going to be engaging. Um, it's just, that's how it's going to be, you know, punches, clawing, biting, etc. And I think it going this amount of time is the right move. Yes. Um, it's a move they should utilize in a few months that I know they do go longer on a match on. Um, and it even shouldn't even be this long, but here I, I never thought like, oh, this is really dragging what's in this. Um, everything, you know, moved along. So again, I'm not giving the match a great rating, but I, I, I went two and a half. I thought it was a solid match. Uh, the Savage Hill turn, you, you can tell me your thoughts on the match and what you think of the Savage Hill turn. I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards I'm okay with it, watching everything, because I think it plays up that, you know, like it's one of those, if you can't beat them, join them. And it really felt like that with Savage. Like he got so beat down and beat up. And, you know, Hogan had his wife and all this stuff, like storyline stuff. 
um, which is a piece that, you know, we'll get some conclusion with it too. Um, so I think that's an added bit and, and, of kind of a carrot to dangle. And Savage has a history of being like, if you look across his whole career, he's he's a slimy bastard. He'll just kind of go with where oh, the yeah. money is a lot of the time. Oh, right? yeah. So it's like, yeah, he's always been a face to WCW, but he's not a WCW guy. Like, what is the loyalty to WCW? Like a Sting or a Luger? Like, he came in with Hogan from the Dirty F. He's been a heel multiple times. He's been an asshole multiple times. So, right, if, if he's thinking, like, look, I stood by you guys. I don't even give a fuck about WCW. And I get the shit kicked out of me. And no one really stepped up to help me. Halloween Havoc, I got punked and embarrassed. I got, you know, set up by Bischoff. Where were you? Hogan can get me money. Megan gets me more endorsements. I'm just going to take that and go, you know, be reunited with Liz and, and kick the shit out of people. So, like, I don't think it's that crazy. It's not like he's, like, this pure, not like Ricky Steamboat or even Sting turning mm -hmm. heel. and Like, where they have a reason to defend WCW, right? He's got no reason. He's not a WCW guy. He doesn't give a shit. So, um, yeah, I'm fine with it. And the match itself is what it should be. Um, it's very similar to Starcade. Just, you know, very simple um they use all the tricks in the book they use all the interference the nwo is out that's what it should be it's fine perfectly fine they built up sting and savage sting just vanishes uh but that's the big talking point is like is he in on this or not did he yeah. know was savage using him does he have any knowledge at all that this was going to happen um you know and then turn and i thought the finish was well done too because it lets it play out you get the dusty finish of piper winning again we know he could beat hogan he already did it once um and then it was savage really sticking it to him with the way it goes goes down so um and that was a surprisingly fun old man bar brawl piper just beats hogan to a pulp that plays in the story that he's a madman hogan's a scoundrel um i thought the back end slowed a bit but the crowd stayed into it the finish was fine again um piper's not going to be the guy to win the title like they have bigger ideas in mind so it's fine i mean could you have had him win it for a month i don't know maybe but i don't it's not necessary he doesn't need it to keep going at all in any way he's, he's better off getting screwed and then him sticking around to get revenge yeah i think i mean i think you see that like when hogan wins the title in 2002 like you see how like a right. hot shot in the title yeah, off of a surprisingly return. great performance is maybe not the move yeah, they didn't. They didn't need to do. It. He didn't need. It. He's not a guy that he's never needed the title, so it's nope. it's perfectly fine. You had to do something with Stinger Savage at some point too. Like you can't just have them. Savage, you know, Sting's been doing it forever now. Savage only for a month, but even that, it's like, all right, now is he gonna fucking walk around for you know six months too until something happens? So mm -hmm. I'm fine with them pulling the trigger and getting Savage out of this as well, um, and him going heel as another top guy to the NWO, which they are getting a little jobber heavy on the back end. Like I don't mm -hmm. think that's crazy to say with giant leaving it's really hogan hall and nash and then a bunch of i mean six is like a tweener and then a bunch of job guys under them even buff isn't really established at this point as anything so i don't think it hurts to have another top main event level dude i think he steps in and is arguably number two behind hogan now as far as like star power over hall and nash so like they added another big body to the mix um it also keeps the sting mystery alive uh you know whatever i thought it was fine it was fine oh not as good as star k but not as far off for me i went two stars all right, and then we get the credits. Uh, only uh, I always like to see who does the catering. <laughs> Stan the man. Oh, all <laughs> right. the catering uh, company. They also had a librarian. I didn't catch the name, but I saw the title. It said librarian. What you think it was like probably a video librarian, like pulling the video? Yes, just a very oh, interesting, interesting job title. Maybe it was the prison librarian had a uh, oh. Alcatraz. 
I mean, they, they have like carpenters, librarian, <laughs> always like a Mad Libs uh, style credit. My favorite used to be Head Rigger. As a kid, I thought they meant person that rigged the matches. Yes. Uh, but no, I didn't realize it was like Head Rigger. Grip. Yeah, grip. grip. Key grip. Yeah. Key grip. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, let's go through our awards here. Uh, match of the night for this show, I went with uh, Benoit and Sullivan. Okay, I'm uh, the opener, six versus Malenko. Moment, I went with Savage's heel turn. Yeah, I think that's the biggest moment probably coming out with lasting effect. Yeah. I'd say the Benoit table dive is up there. The Nash powerbomb could have been considered. So there were a few things. Yeah. Oh, but. Um, MVP, I went Giant and Luger. Uh, I, I thought they looked awesome. Giant was fantastic in that match. Luger was so over. And then the finish with the, the rack. And even though they do the pin to make sure Luger wasn't a legal man, we don't want any chicanery. So Giant's going to pin Hall to make sure it counts. Um, so it just looked cool, the two of them together. I thought they really stood out. Yeah, Giant for me. Um, promo was good. Performance was good. Um, still waiting on when he like kind of starts to drop off. Hadn't happened yet, so I've been happy with that. Um, so keep keeping track of that. I don't know yeah, how many more times he'll get MVP, but he's been very good still, or great, very good to great. So, all right, my mind, he's good until he turns again, whenever that is at the end of the like. I think he's good for at least the next year. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. remember much drop off until the going heel and then getting lazy smoking with smoking cigarettes and yeah like that that's my memory of it is that he's good until then but we'll see right. yeah um all right we didn't have any debuts no road report obviously i don't think we had any dropped angles um so nothing else cooking there so i guess this final grade i went seven out of ten another very good pay-per-view i think it's below some of our best stuff of wcw that we started 96 but it continues, you know, a very strong overall performance. It was a nice bounce back from sold out, which we were low on. I thought they delivered on this being, you know, probably their top three pay-per-view now, like Starcade, Havoc, and this. I think Bash of the Beach That's is coming. Beach. But yeah. I, I, yeah, not quite yet. I, I guess after the NWO thing. But it's it's one of the big four. I guess if you have a big four, it's one of the big yeah, four. Yeah, it's our four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went 7 out of 10, too. I, I think it's a very good show. It's a show that the song's better than most of the individual mm-hmm. parts. But um, I think it's forgotten. Good. I don't think you ever hear anything about it. I think it's, yeah, like, I lost mean, in the... Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's one of those shows where it's like, this was a great show, and it is part of kind of a great run um, with kind of sold out being the only stinker. Um, and and I, I do recall... Uncensored being a great show. We'll see if that holds true. It's pretty stampede in my mind as well, from what I remember. Yeah, stampede, I, I think, has some very good stuff as well. So we'll we'll see how long this continues. But um, I mean, I I thought this was very good. Probably a great match away from being a great show, but um, mm-hmm. still very good, very enjoyable. So yeah, I think uh, I think Eddie and Jericho was yeah. The- tilting point if that would have went where they could have went and went like four and a quarter or whatever it really yeah. popped off and then maybe if dean and six elevates a notch like and then maybe if the steiners are in that tag still and that that pops up. like there was a little a few pieces that could have hit yeah. to really make this go up a level to that like eight plus territory but right still a very good show regal um, well even regal even if you put regal versus ray yeah you yeah, yeah probably had that initially booked yeah. Like if you put Regal versus Ray there, and that's a great match, and Eddie and Jericho is right. That's all you better. need. You're right. Yeah. That's all you need. Okay. So this is the end of our pay-per-view of the month. So we're gonna do our combo awards between this and in your house final four. 
uh, our grades, this was the better show, Super Brawl. Yeah. Uh, we like Final Four. Close. Not by much. Yeah. yeah. Six and a half versus seven for me. Yeah. So it was tight. Uh, best match, though, we do have the, the main event of Final Four. Right. Uh, best moment. So for Final Four, we had China's debut. Uh, here, Savage turning heel. I think I'd go with the Savage heel turn. Yeah. All right. Uh, better commentary is is WCW, even though yeah. But again, we're talking about it. it's getting tighter. Um, yeah, it was good. Well, there was no Vince at Final Four. It's King and JR, yeah. and they were good. Yeah, that's going that's going to be tightening, but um, still, still great. I mean, I I love the WCW commentary, and Bobby again was really good and added in um some neat like historical moments. Being back in San Francisco, I thought he was on his A game too, so it was very good. Uh, all right, so Super Bowl there, star of the night. Oh. We went with uh, I went with Vader. Yeah, at Final Four. Here we went Giant. Um, I think Vader is the guy you remember coming out of this month, like the bloody eye on the cover of the magazine. Probably. Whatever you think of that, the best match of the month, you think of him. Um, I think it's close, but I, I think it'd go Vader. He'd probably never win it again. Okay. <laughs> so, um. All right, he, and then he, he went best moment when he calls himself a fat piece of shit. <laughs> fat piece of shit. And then, uh, what was the buy rate uh, winner here? Uh, S- Super Brawl two hundred seventy five thousand. Uh, you know they struggled with sold out, so this is a nice return for them. Pretty good buy rate. Uh, maybe even uh, actually a little slightly disappointed on where they were at Starcade, but. I don't know. It's tough to gauge uh, because sold out was so bad. Uh, in your house, final four hundred twenty thousand. So I mean, they did more than double. So easy, easily WCW. All right, so that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to be covering the fallout from this of so February twenty fourth, ninety seven, and a very big episode of Raw, yeah. uh, where the uh, infamous Manhattan Center episode. And then a month from today, we'll be covering March third. Uh, which is interesting because it's the last Raw before uh, the big turnover um, to the new format. So we only got two Raws left before we're inside uh, the war zone officially for Raw. So, uh, And then Uncensored is actually our next pay-per-view right. uh, because we got, we got a bit of a, a march to WrestleMania. There's a gap there. So, uh, All right, check out everything North-South Connection. Be sure to subscribe. This show is simulcast both on... Uh, video and audio so if you're listening you can check us out on youtube we have a lot of cool video content we have a lot of exclusive stuff we did our uh, daily war games countdown over the past couple months where we've been counting down every single uh war games match all the way up to survivor series big pop prop to ryan gray for doing that a lot of cool evergreen content uh we also have some cool stuff coming and planned for the new year so be sure to subscribe share us with a friend if you enjoy this content just do us a favor leave us a like and a comment and share it around we don't we don't ask for much but that would be helpful for us for sure so until then smell the napalm we'll talk to you in two weeks you've been super world trying to keep up a smile that hides the tear but as the sun goes down get that empty feeling again
just can't.